Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today is the great Feast of Epiphany. Epiphany means manifestation. Christ is made known to the nations. One of the great battles up and down the centuries is that between faith and reason or between religion and science. You know, and frankly, from both sides of this fight, silly and problematic things have been said over the centuries. And in some extreme cases, violent disputes have broken out between representatives of religion and representatives of science. For some, the mere mention of the name Galileo sums up all of the irrational opposition to science that characterizes religion at its worst. And today, the names Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, summon up for religious people all that's most aggressive and intolerant in some forms of science. Yes, sometimes people of faith seem to be dismissive of science, hostile to it. And, to be fair, sometimes representative science seem hostile to religion. Can I suggest one of the ways we can read the Feast of Epiphany is as a kind of commentary on the relation between faith and reason. Epiphany says, in a nutshell, that the deepest aspirations of the scientist or philosopher and the person of faith meet in Christ. Let me say that again. Epiphany says that the deepest aspirations of the scientist, the philosopher, the rationalist, and the person of faith meet in Christ. We're not sure exactly who these magoi were. That's what the gospel writer calls them, magi, we say. But we can hazard a pretty good guess. In the Chaldean or Babylonian culture in Jesus' time, there was a highly sophisticated practice of astronomy, gazing at the night sky, studying the stars and planets. Now, by our standards, it would have combined elements of astrology, but Nevertheless, for its time, it was a pretty high expression of analytical reason. These scientists, astronomers, magoi, would measure and catalog the stars and planets using the most advanced techniques of their own time. But here's something that I think far too many scientists of our own time have forgotten. These Magoi knew that the very orderliness and intelligibility of the heavens indicate 
an intelligent designer. And therefore, as they looked into the starry skies, as they measured the movements of the stars and planets, they were also looking for signs of God. Therefore, if you had suggested to them that religion and science were at odds, I think they would have been puzzled. You know what I'm saying? If you had said to the the ancient Magi, as they looked up into the heavens both to measure and to discern God's will, if you had said, well, there's a conflict here between religion and science, they, they wouldn't have really understood what you were talking about. In the case of these figures, their science led them on a quest to find the newborn king. And when they discovered him, they opened their gifts and they honored him. Scientists came to Christ knowing they had found their most precious treasure. You know, Pope Benedict has pointed out that it's extremely significant, extremely important, that Jesus is referred to in Christian Revelation as the Logos. Remember in the prologue to John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Logos, the Word. And the Logos, the Word, was with God. And the Word was God. And through this divine reason, John says, all things were made. All of science, I would say, is based upon the fundamental assumption that the universe is intelligible. That it is endowed in every aspect of its existence with logos, with something like order, structure, harmony, reason. If this were not the case, no science would ever get off the ground. Only in the measure that a scientist assumes Listen, mystically, because he can't prove it. Only in the measure that he assumes, mystically, that all things are endowed with intelligibility can he get his own scientific work off the ground. No scientist would go out to meet the world with rational confidence were it not for this basic assumption. And therefore, see, what John's implying is that these two ideas cohere perfectly. If all things have come into being precisely through the Word, then we shouldn't be surprised that all of reality is intelligible. If all of reality is intelligible, and indeed it is, then we shouldn't be surprised that all of it came into being through logos. The universe is not dumbly there Rather, it has been spoken into existence. You see here how religion and science at their deepest ground meet. Let me stress that a little bit. I think often the conflicts between religion and science are relatively superficial. They're in regard to particular issues and we fuss about details. My point here, I think it's a point St. John's making, is that religion and science, philosophy, knowledge come together at the deepest ground. Well, who's Jesus? 
none other than this personal Word of God made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the rational pattern of existence now expressed in human form. Therefore, all battles finally between religion and science from this incarnational perspective are silly and are based upon false assumptions. What is on display in Jesus concretely is the culmination of what every scientist finally is searching for. What does the psychologist want? He wants the logos, the reason about the psuche, about the mind. What does the biologist want? He wants the logos, the reason about bios, about life. What does any scientist want but some sense of the logos, of reason, of order, of harmony? Well, what's St. John telling us? Jesus is the Logos, God's own mind, now made flesh. And therefore, all science points to him. The church fathers think of figures such as Justin, Irenaeus, Origen, John Chrysostom, Jerome, Augustine. They grasp this principle very clearly. It's enunciated up and down their work. And that's why they interpreted all the achievements of science and philosophy as congruent with faith in Christ. They saw them as anticipations, echoes of what was fully revealed in Jesus. They didn't reject philosophy. They didn't reject the science of their time. They saw it as a participation or echo of what was revealed in Christ. And so they felt Socrates, Pythagoras, Plato, Aristotle could bring their philosophical riches and lay them at the feet of Christ. They thought that Herodotus, Suetonius, and Plutarch could bring their historical research and present it as a gift to Christ. Homer and Virgil could bring their poetry to him. And so, friends, on this Feast of the Epiphany, why can't we say that Galileo, Copernicus, Newton, Stephen Hawking are all bringing their astrophysics to him? Why can't we say that Shakespeare and James Joyce and Marcel Proust and William Faulkner are bringing their dramas and stories to him. Why can't we say that Kant and Hegel and Heidegger are not at least indirectly searching for him? Chesterton made this point. The shepherds in the Christmas story might represent the yearning of simple people for Christ. You know, those who are hungry for food and shelter and the basic necessities. Those that just want to get through the day. Yes, they hunger for Christ, and they have their representatives in the shepherds. Ah, but the magoi, these magi, these astronomers, these scientists, they represent the longing of the sophisticated for the same Christ. They represent 
the yearnings of poets and scientists and philosophers, intellectual seekers of all kinds. The point is this. Both groups, the simple and the sophisticated, must come to Him and offer Him what they have and find their fulfillment in Him. What we've witnessed, I think, sadly, in modern times is precisely this separation of science and religion. Something which has redounded to the deficit of both science and religion. Religion, if it wriggles free of science, can come to seem superstitious and uncritical. Science, if it wriggles free of religion, can come to seem cold, analytical, flat. Ah, the best of our tradition, the best of the Catholic tradition, has always emphasized the coming together of these two moves of the Spirit. John Paul II said that fides et ratio, faith and reason, are like the two wings of the human spirit by which it soars to the truth. The Magi, I would say, on this great Feast of the Epiphany, the Magi stand for this coming together. A properly constituted reason which knows how to surrender itself to the source of all reason. Those who seek for the Logoi in the world, surrendering to the Logos by which the whole of the world was made. Faith and reason. Friends, not enemies. A great lesson taught to us by the Magi. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.